You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. Uh, Matt, what's going on, man? Not too much. I'm uh, still in Arizona. I've been at an outlet mall all day here, and it is so warm. I never want to leave. Did you uh, did you hit up any games today? No, not today. Um, they didn't have – I was hoping there was going to be a 1 o'clock game, but none of the games were till 4, and I just didn't really have a – chance to get out there at that time so i'll be at the red sox tomorrow though who do they have tomorrow the cubs okay that's their, their, that second game so i will i guess it'll be today when people are listening to this that's interesting that'll be good yeah game. so that'll be fun yeah price is pitching i believe okay you know who's going for the cubs uh i saw it i want to say it was hendrix okay i'm not 100 percent, but i'm pretty sure it was hendrix i like watching him pitch he's kind of yeah uh, he's a great pitch ability guy so he really knows the Yeah, it's going to be so. fun. Yeah, that should be good. Anytime you can watch Red Sox baseball, that's good. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in to us, uh, welcome. If this is not your first time, if you listened to the last one, welcome back. Uh, we're here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the Internet Monday through Friday. We want to be part of your daily routine, so make sure you subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, what we're going to be doing today on this episode is we're going to be examining some of the biggest storylines to look forward to in 2019 as we wait for the season to open up on Thursday. Uh, we're also going to bring a bit of news today, and uh, well, we're not really breaking it, but we're, we're talking <laughs> about it for the first time. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Uh, the big news is that Sandy Leon has been put on waivers, uh, seemingly ending uh, the winter-long question of which catcher will be released or traded uh, Matt, on our podcast uh, that we do over at uh, SB Nation, uh, over the monster over there, uh, the Red Seat, uh, we probably talked about this 50 times over the offseason. It off was maybe the only thing we talked about. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much the only thing. So so Sandy Leone is the one they decided to to uh, release or, or put on waivers, I should say. Did they make the right call here? Uh, I mean, that's it's a, it's complicated. I, I don't think I would have done this. Um, I I would have gotten rid of Swihart. Um, I think Leon's value defensively and just what he does for the pitching staff is – it's so hard to measure, but it just feels like it's such a big deal. Um, but at the same time, I mean, as much as – like, we all love all these guys, but the difference between – even throwing Vasquez in there, the difference between all three of these guys – isn't that great. So, uh, I mean, I kind of feel like they, a big part of the reason they're going with Swihart is he's the longer term option. Um, I don't think there's a great chance of this, but there is a chance he breaks out and turns into a legitimate, uh, regular in this league. I mean, I don't think, I think the days of him being an all-star are probably passed, but I mean, even just like a starting catcher is so hard to find these days. So, um, there's a little more long-term upside with this duo. So I kind of get that. Um, but like I said, I feel like Leon's value with the pitching staff would have been the way I would have leaned. Yeah, it's also no secret uh, if you have listened to anything I've ever uh, done on the air or ever written that I am like the world's biggest Swihart guy. So 
Uh, my gut reaction was that I was happy that Swihart, you know, got to stay with the team because I know that that's what he's really wanted to do. Um, but I've been such a Swihart fan that I found myself recently kind of just wanting him to get a fresh start. So I'm a little surprised that the team went this way, especially considering uh, the things you were talking about with Leon's value to the pitching staff and where they are uh, being in the World Series hunt again this year, um, bringing back mostly the same pitching staff. I kind of thought they would just go with the status quo. So I was a little surprised about that. Um, ultimately, like you said, I don't think it's going to matter that much. Uh, but still cool to see Swihart stick around the team um, because of that offensive upside that he has. But what are the greater ramifications of this move in terms of team depth at catcher? Well, I mean, I don't think this specific move changes too much. Um, I mean, we should mention Leon isn't definitely gone. There's a chance he clears waivers. Um, he's making a little under $2.5 million, uh, this year. And I don't really feel like that's that much, but everything I've read kind of talks about that salary as if it's prohibitive, so I'm probably a little off base here. But either way, um, if he does clear waivers, he will have the chance to stick with the team if he wants to go down to Pawtucket, or he can elect free agency. I feel like he's probably going to elect free agency, but again, I've been wrong on pretty much everything with this catcher stuff so far, so uh, who knows what's going to happen. But uh, as far as the depth goes, I mean, Juan Centeno is a guy that Cora expressed confidence in um, at the start of camp, and he was always going to be the third catcher. The question was just who was going to be the second catcher. So uh, as far as the depth goes, it hasn't really changed too much. Well, at least it's good to have it resolved anyhow. Uh, yeah. Sandy Leone isn't going to be without a job for very long with the skill set that he has. So, uh, you know, wish him the best. And he was uh, he was basically Johnny Bench for, for the Sox for, like, what? It was 2016, right? 2016. For was, like that month, six week stretch, whatever it was. Yeah, it was almost two <laughs> months of him just batting out of it his mind. It was insane, yeah. So, and he is, uh, he traveled with the team to Arizona, so I don't know what's gonna happen there. Like, he didn't have to. Uh, I think Michael Silverman tweeted out, he, it was his choice and he wanted to go with the team, even though he was on waivers, so maybe he'll stick around, who knows. But, uh, if he doesn't, yeah, obviously nothing but the best that, that, uh, that 2016 run was one of the weirdest and most fun stretches of baseball for the Red Sox in a long time. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, you have one job tomorrow, Matt. you got to hop the fence and ask him what's going on. Why yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so let's move on. Let's get to uh, one of the biggest storylines of this year, and it involves yet uh, again uh, Chris Sale. Uh, who we talked about last time. But uh, the question is, can Chris Sale hold up late into the season? Uh, it's no secret that Chris Sale has had some issues uh, holding up late into the year uh, throughout his career. That's not to knock him as a pitcher. He's been incredibly durable. Uh, last year was the first year since 2014 that he failed to break 200 innings pitched. Um, but Sale has struggled in September and October throughout his career. Uh, during that uh, two-month stretch or month in change I should say. Uh, he's got an ERA of 378, a whip of 123, and a 256 batting average against. You can contrast that with the first half ERA in his career of 266. So uh, basically when he gets to those months, he's kind of an average pitcher and he has been throughout his career. So 
My question to you, Matt, is how do you think the Red Sox are going to manage him, and do you think this is something that he can overcome? Because so far, we haven't really seen any evidence of him being able to figure out this this whole swoon in September and October. Yeah, I mean, it's really – it's hard to be confident about it because, I mean, like you said, it's been every year, and – at the same time, it's really hard not to be confident in anything regarding Chris Sale. I mean, the dude's obviously just incredible. Um, so, I mean, I think, like, if we go back, not last year, 2017, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, like, his overall ERA was kind of meh, but he was, he would be, like, regular old insane Cy Young Chris Sale one day, and then the next one he would just implode, so... It's not like he's going out there and he's just, like, not the same guy. It's just not the same consistency. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they tried it last year. They tried kind of easing him into the year. Um, we all remember kind of freaking out about the velocity in April, but that was by design. So I feel like they're going to stick with that plan again and just, I mean, last year the shoulder kind of messed everything up. So who knows if that would have worked if the shoulder stayed healthy. I think you just kind of have to try the same thing and hope it works. Um, and if it doesn't, they have a deep rotation. And like I said two years ago, he was still Chris Sale for about half of his starts at the end of the year anyways. Um, they're deep enough to overcome it. It's just obviously they're on another level if he could be Chris Sale all year. Yeah, and I think circumstantially, you know, him being in Chicago for as long as he was, people didn't talk about this as much because Chicago almost never had anything to play for. He didn't reach the playoffs until he started playing with the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, so no one really kind of talked about this when they were comparing it to the best pitchers in the game, but there are guys, workhorses. We talk about guys like Kluber or Verlander and what they've been able to do late in the season. So I think that if he does not figure this out, this is going to be a knock on him for any time we have those discussions involving the best of the best pitchers in the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really avoid it. I mean, I would say... Like, if I could have any pitcher in baseball at their best, like, absolute best, um, not counting Kershaw, I don't know if we can really say he's ever going to be that level again, but, I mean, I would take maybe Max Scherzer over him and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, like you said, you have, you can't – that's just not how it works. Um, so, yeah, if he does it again, he definitely gets knocked down a few pegs. He's obviously still in the conversation, best in baseball, one of the best in baseball, but – I mean, right now he's top two, and I don't know if that will be the case when we talk at this time next year. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see if he can overcome that and see uh, how the shoulder can hold up over the course of the year. It's definitely going to be one of the biggest storylines that we watch, especially with the new contract in place. Um, So we're going to uh, transition here. Uh, Stay with us. We're going to come back for a second segment, and uh, we're going to be talking about Rafael Devers. All right, welcome back. Um, Our next segment involves, as I said, Rafael Devers and whether or not he can take a step forward both offensively and defensively this upcoming year. Uh, Devers is headed into his age 22 season. Still crazy to say that. He's remarkable. Yeah, he's so young. Uh, But last year he finished with a 90 WRC+, which meant he was essentially 10%. Uh, worse than a replacement level hitter at third base last year. League average hitter. League average hitter, I should say. Um, 
Devers was abominable against lefties. Uh, he's a lefty himself, but he had a 619 OPS against lefties last year. And in the field, uh, I don't have to tell you this, Matt, because you watched all the games too, but he was just maddening at points. He made 12 throwing errors, 12 fielding errors. A lot of the times he was just made goofball mistakes where he didn't set his feet or he rushed to play or he didn't know where to be in a certain situation. Uh, and it's frustrating because you could contrast this with watching moments where he makes amazing throws and he shows off his arm and he gets to balls that you don't think he's going to. But, I mean, what does he need to do to fix these issues and, and do you think he can? Yeah, I I feel like this might sound crazy. I think he has a better chance of making a big leap defensively than offensively. Um I mean, you kind of touched on it, but his mistakes weren't really like you're not looking at a guy and thinking this guy just doesn't have the physical tools to play third base. Like he can do it. He has the arm. He has the reaction time. He can play the position. It's just a matter of positioning himself. And really, I think the speed of the majors caught up to him. And there were some plays where it was like in between hops and things like that. And he had to decide. Do I stay back for it? Do I charge in on it? And he made the wrong decision a lot. And those are things that you learn as you get older. I don't know. Like you said, he's only 22 still. I don't know that he's going to come all the way this year. He's probably not going to come all the way in terms of those improvements. But I'm somewhat weirdly confident in his defense considering how bad he was at times last year. Yeah, the issues to me do seem fixable. And I remember that last year uh, I read something from Wade Boggs actually diagnosing some of the issues that he had. And I think we talked about this on the Red Seed as well uh, at some point last year. But uh, Boggs basically said, you know, I was a bad defender early in my career um, because I didn't know how to position myself. I didn't know how to set my feet correctly. Uh, and he looks at Devers's footwork as one of the biggest places where he thinks he can improve. Um, because we all know the, the guy has an absolute hose over there. So it's not like that's ever going to be an issue for him. But it's just, you know, can he get himself in the right position? Can he settle down? Can he not rush things? Um, and I think he can. Uh, the other question with him is, I think it's conditioning. He's got to get his body in better shape. And, uh, you know, I haven't I haven't kept up with the best shape of his life thing. Has he come in in better shape this year? I, mean, I believe – I don't think he was I, – I think he was in better shape. I don't think he was uh, best shape of his life. I want to say what Rodriguez did throw that out there, but I don't think Devers did. Um, but, yeah, I think he – I mean, he, I know he worked on conditioning uh, this winter. I don't really know. I don't remember seeing anything about the results, which is probably more of a good thing than a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean – I I agree with you. Conditioning is definitely big with him. And I think that's another kind of part of it where we kind of forget how young he is. And, I mean, we remember being 21, 22. And I don't know about you. I was eating, like, Taco Bell and shit like that all the time. So <laughs> Yeah, I was going uh, to the walk-up Burger King. I used yeah. to live near a walk-up uh, thing. I didn't it, know those existed. But. I, didn't, I didn't either. I moved next to one in Washington, D.C., and it was, like, the best thing I ever discovered was this walk-up window. I mean, it was also the worst thing I ever discovered. Yeah, but, well, I know. mean, you can recover pretty quickly at that age. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to his age, and he's kind of taking it to heart. He's had a whole year. He knows what the grind is like now. 
Um, and they did emphasize conditioning. So I would expect him to be in better shape for sure. All right. So the, the, the bigger question here, I think, might be offensively because we know what he's capable of. We saw him turn on, what, 105 from Meraldis Chapman, 103. What was oh, that yeah. ball? Was that 103? I, it was 102 or 103. It was the fastest at the time. I believe it was the fastest ball to ever be hit for a home run or maybe an opposite field home run. But It was nuts. Like no yeah. one else gets to that ball and, yeah. he, and he gets to that pitch. But then at the same time, he can be super inconsistent up at the plate. So from watching him all season, where do you think he needs to take the step forward? I mean, it's just patience and discipline and pitch recognition i mean it kind of at times it seemed like when he was really in a bad way it seemed like before the pitcher was even set he had decided whether or not he was swinging at a pitch and uh i mean obviously that's not gonna work at this level so i think it's kind of a similar thing with the defense where you learn as you get older to just like take a deep breath and the game will slow down a little bit um i don't think I don't, a lot of people are picking him for a huge breakout. I would not be totally shocked if that happened. Um, but at the same time, I feel like he's probably more in like the 105 to 115 range than like a 120 plus like all star caliber guy, which is obviously still great, mm-hmm. especially at his age. I will take Talking that. About but about WRC plus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think Keith Law had him as, like, one of his top breakout candidates. I don't know if I would go that far. There's a lot of strides to be made offensively, and I don't know if it's going to happen in one year. But, uh, I mean, I think we're going to slowly see some progress, and maybe 2020 would probably be the year I'd pick for him to just go ballistic. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. He certainly has all the uh, the raw skills. I tend to agree with you. It's a tough division to uh, really get your feet under you as a hitter, too, with all the spin that you see uh, from teams like the Yankees and the uh, the Rays as well. So, just, Yeah, and the Yankees just added uh, Paxton from the left side, too, which is not going to help matters. No, <laughs> that's not going to help anybody. No. Um, all right, so that wraps it up for the show today. Um, as we close out our show, uh, we want to urge everybody who listened to this to go ahead and subscribe to us again. Um, subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, as we said at the beginning, we're going to be with you daily, Monday through Friday. Uh, so please make us part of your routine. We'd really appreciate that, and we'll bring you all the Sox news that you need. Uh, and if you like the show, please go on and rate and review us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Locked On Red Sox account at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins, and you can follow me at, at Dev Jake. And uh, hit us up with questions. Interact with us there. We'll always answer. Uh, lastly, we want to have you urge other Red Sox fans to uh, subscribe to the show. Uh, check it out, especially if you liked it. And uh, also check out Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thanks, everybody, and we'll be with you again at this time tomorrow.